Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. I'm Sharon. I'm Melinda. And last week we did the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. That was Mindy's story. Thank you very much. If you haven't listened to that, go download last week's episode and check it out. This week we are going to be talking about the disappearance of Brandon Lawson. Uh, This was also recommended to us from Steve Bratt. So thank you for recommending both of these cases to us. This has a lot of similarities to Mindy's story from last week. It is a little bit more confusing, though. You'll you'll see what I mean once we get into the details. Things don't really add up with this story. But um, I did learn a lot of things about wild hogs and also meth while I was doing my research. So. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> um, my sources for this research come from the Thought Catalog by Jordan Winnagle, which was last updated February 28th, 2020, uh, Reddit, True Crime Society, The Crawl Space Podcast, and also The Theorem Factory. All right, Mindy, are you ready to hear about the disappearance of Brandon Lawson? I'm totally ready. I don't want to say I'm excited because I feel like that sounds insensitive, but I've been wanting to hear this story. So yes, let's let's do this. All right, here we go. Brandon Lawson went missing on August 9th, 2013. He was last seen leaving his home in San Angelo, Texas at 11.53 p.m. after Brandon and his longtime girlfriend, Ladessa, got into an argument. Brandon's truck ran out of gas on Highway 277 near Bront, Texas, while he was headed to his father's house in Crowley, Texas, about 230 miles away. Brandon called his brother Kyle for help. In the meantime, 911 dispatch received a call from a motorist reporting a truck blocking a lane. The responding officer, Brandon's brother Kyle, and Kyle's girlfriend Audrey all arrived on the scene at the same time. But Brandon, his cell phone, and keys were all missing. While at the scene, Kyle was not aware of a frantic 911 call Brandon made after calling his brother. <gasps> so that's the gist of it. Okay. I just gasped when, <laughs> when you said heard. about the 911 call. Sorry. <laughs> and I and we will be listening to the 911 call a little bit later. Oh boy. But okay. Let me tell you a little bit about Brandon. He was 26 years old, and he was an oil field worker from San Angelo, Texas. He lived with his common-law wife of 10 years, Ladessa Lofton. Brandon had four children, three of them with Ladessa, and one from a prior relationship. He worked long hours to provide for his family. He loved his girlfriend and children and was not the type of man to have voluntarily gone missing. Ladessa claimed at one point that Brandon was working up to 95 hours a week. Whoa. And he was due to start, I know, right? It's insane. He was due to start a new job soon. Brandon did have a history of drug use, particularly meth. At the time of his disappearance, he had been clean for a while and passed a drug test for his new job. His new job was going to allow him to make more money, work less hours, and spend more time with his family. On the night of his disappearance, Brandon and Ladessa got into an argument. Brandon left their home in San Angelo, Texas, with the intention of driving northeast to his father's residence in Crowley, Texas, approximately a three and a half hour drive away. Shortly after he left, Ladessa called Brandon to ask him not to go all the way to Crowley for the night. 
Instead, she suggested he drive around to cool off for a bit before coming back home or possibly head to his brother Kyle's house to stay the night. Kyle's home was only five miles from theirs. Brandon knew his truck was nearly out of gas, but still attempted to make it to the 24-hour Stripes Convenience gas station in Bront, Texas, about a 30-minute drive from his home. Brandon's car was found on the side of Highway 277, just four and a half miles outside Bront, and a quarter mile from the rest stop. While Brandon was out driving, Ladessa called his brother, concerned about him and the argument that they'd had. Kyle offered to come over and check on Ladessa and the children, the youngest of whom had been sick the past few days with an ear infection. Kyle arrived at Brandon and Ladessa's home around 2.10 a.m. And all the times that I mention, uh, just a little disclaimer, all the times are just kind of approximate. So, okay. All right, cool. The timeline in this is, um, it's pretty important. Okay. And this is where, when I was saying, like, not everything adds up. Uh, you'll see why. I'm taking so. notes, so. Okay. <laughs> You've got your typewriter. It's like murder she wrote over here. <laughs> At 2.34 a.m. and 12.36 a.m., Ladessa misses two calls from Brandon. Sometime after Brandon left his house, Kyle got a call from Brandon, and Brandon tells Kyle that Ladessa got some, quote, Mexicans from the neighborhood, end quote, to chase Brandon out of town. And there are two of them still chasing him, but a state trooper pulled over the third one. Approximately 45 minutes after leaving home, so around 12.38 a.m., Brandon called Kyle back again and told him that his truck was out of gas on Highway 277 near Brant. Brandon kept calling Kyle, but he had some difficulty understanding everything Brandon was saying because the call was repeatedly being dropped due to spotty signals. However, he was able to make out Brandon saying, quote, I'm 10 minutes up the road, just hurry up and get here, end quote. At 11.40 a.m., Kyle calls Ladessa to inform her that Brandon was out of gas. Kyle suggested that he and his girlfriend, Audrey, stop by Brandon and Ladessa's home to pick up a gas can to deliver to Brandon. Ladessa placed a gas can on her front porch before taking a shower and turning in for the night. She also placed her phone in her van to charge it as the phone was running low on battery and she did not have a working indoor charger. Kyle's paycheck had not yet cleared, so his plan was to pick up the gas can from Ladessa's porch, drive out to where Brandon was stranded, and get money for him to fill the can. Brandon calls back several more times but cannot be understood except for the call where he tells Kyle and Audrey to hurry and that he's bleeding. When he and Audrey arrived at Brandon's truck, Brandon was nowhere to be found. Around the same time, Deputy Neal from the Coke County Sheriff's Office also arrived on the scene. This was at approximately 1.10 a.m. Kyle claims to be on the phone with Brandon at this time. They see Brandon's truck and ask him where he is. He claims he's right there, although they can't see him. Deputy Neal was responding to a 911 call placed at 12.58 a.m. from a passing motorist about an abandoned truck partially blocking the road. Brandon says to Kyle, one time run. The term one time is used to refer to cops. Kyle confirms this later in a conversation that he had with the Crawl Space podcast. 
Kyle tells him that he's done nothing wrong and he's not going to run. Brandon says to him, quote, where is your pride, motherfucker? And then he hangs up on Kyle. None of the parties have observed any damage to Brandon's vehicle. However, the truck appears to have been hastily, is that right? Hastily? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds, it doesn't sound right, but it's not a word I use very often. (laughs) Has been hastily or sloppily ditched with the back end protruding into the road. The truck's doors were unlocked and the keys were missing, as was Brandon's cell phone and wallet. At the time, Kyle, Audrey, and Deputy Neal arrived on scene. None were aware of Brandon's 911 call 15 minutes prior, which was placed at approximately 12.54 a.m. Three days after Brandon's disappearance, Ladessa was scrolling through his phone records and saw the outgoing call to 911 on the night that he disappeared, bringing attention to this critical piece of evidence. The 911 operator had not obtained Brandon's name or location, and the call was likely dismissed once it dropped signal and the line went dead. Phone pings indicate Brandon walked north away from his vehicle at 1.10 a.m. It's really difficult to make out what he's saying, so we're going to play the 911 call, and you can all listen to it, and then we're going to actually read the transcript of the 911 call. Oh, good. Okay, cool. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. It's like we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. Got to take to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that. I mean, no, we're not talking to him. I told you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. Got the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yeah. No, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? Hello? Okay, so that, as you can hear, that was pretty inaudible and incoherent. So it was really hard to understand exactly what Brandon was saying to the 911 operator. It was, and there there was a lot of, like, like, movement noises. You know, like, the you could hear that there was something happening with the phone or whatever. I don't know what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say, but um, also, I'm sorry, but, like, I was a little taken aback at first because I forgot we're talking about Texas and, like, their accents (laughs) really... I found their accents to be really thick, which I think made it harder for me to understand, too, so there was that, Uh but... Yeah, you said we have a transcript, so I'm curious. So obviously people from Texas, sorry, no no offense to anybody with accents. I'm sure to some people we have accents, but like... We definitely um, have accents. Somebody, <laughs> I, since somebody was able to us. do a transcript, let's maybe get into that. But yeah, I was a little surprised, but that I was like, oh yeah, they're from Texas. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But yeah, that was bizarre. True Crime Garage, um, they did a whole podcast episode about this Brandon Lawson 911 call. And I actually did not listen to that, but I think I'm going to go back um, and listen to it now. Um, But they do a really good breakdown, supposedly, of the 911 call and all the different possibilities of what could have been going on. But we have a transcript here. So I'll be playing the 911 emergency operator. And Spencer, you're going to be (laughs) playing Brandon. And you're going to read um, basically multiple possibilities of what he could have been saying. So, And I'm not going to try and do his accent. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> or talk as fast as he did. Yeah. All right. So 911 emergency. 
yes, I'm in the middle of the field. And then he says either pushed some guys over or pushed some cars over. And then he goes on to say, right here, going towards Abilene on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. And then he says, it or I got taken through woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. I don't blame her. (laughs) Uh, And then he says, no or oh, we're not talking to him. And then, no, I ran into them or told you I ran into them. Ah, you ran into them? Okay. He says, yes, the first guy or not the first guy or got the first guy. And then the person who wrote this transcript says, uh, it sounds to them like Brandon mentioned someone having buckshot, which Mm. is ammo. Mm. Do you need an ambulance? No, I need the cops. Is anybody hurt? And then he doesn't say anything. And then the 911 officer just says, hello, hello, hello. No further response from Brandon. There is a part in the tape, if you want to go back and listen to the recording again, where people say that they heard possibly gunshots. To me, it sounds more like a car or a truck going over seams in the pavement, Mm. which um, they say that could have been near a bridge that was in that location. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get a little bit more into the 911 call later. But according to local media reports, the officer who res- the officer who responded to Brandon's 911 call was actually dispatched to respond to a motorist who ran out of gas and not to someone needing help because they were being chased or they were in trouble. So yeah (laughs) we'll just we'll put put a pin in that for right now yeah we're gonna go back to the scene where deputy neil informed kyle about the passing motorist call to 911 regarding brandon's vehicle in the road unaware of brandon's recent 911 call Kyle informed Deputy Neal that Brandon should be returning to his vehicle shortly. Deputy Neal then turned on the truck's hazard lights, locked the doors, and requested a tow truck to retrieve the vehicle. Deputy Neal left the scene at about 1.18 a.m., as did Kyle and Audrey. Brandon had an outstanding warrant at the time, and Kyle believed he might have been hiding from Officer Neal for this reason. Oh, okay. That's why he said that thing to his brother earlier about, Mm -hmm. like, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, where he said, what was the... One time, yeah. Yeah. Where he says, one time, where's your fucking pride? Yeah, because maybe he thought, like, his brother was, like, bringing the cops to him or something. That makes a little bit... Well, I'm not going to say anything. But also then, <laughs> Brand, but then it gets confusing again because Brandon himself called the cops for help. Right, right. I'm going to stop so talking it, and let you keep going. <laughs> well, you know, these things never really get addressed. So, I mean, feel free to discuss it, but... Well, and then Kyle, didn't Kyle said that Brandon told him that he was bleeding or was it the, the girlfriend? Yes. So, yes, okay. um, it was there was a call made. I believe it was Audrey who was on the phone with Brandon and Brandon said that he needed help and that he was bleeding. And he didn't say how he was bleeding or where he was bleeding from or what happened. He just said that he was bleeding. And we will discuss that actually okay. a little bit further. OK, but um, so Kyle thought that 
Yes, it was a possibility that Brandon could have been hiding from the officer for this reason. And also Kyle was completely unaware at this time that Brandon himself called the cops. So and Sharon, really quick, just to clarify. So the uh, the the cop. Neil, yeah, uh, Deputy Neil. Officer Neil. He was there because a passing motorist called 911 about the truck just like sitting there, right? Yes. Okay. He was responding to that call, not the call from Brandon. Right. Okay, cool. Thank you. Correct. Yeah. So after Officer Neil left and also Kyle and Audrey left, uh, they left and went to go pick up their friend Chris who went back to where Brandon's truck was parked. They began driving up and down the road, searching. For, I always, why do searching. I always, I always drop the G's. <laughs> Are you secretly Southern? I might be. Shit, man. Searching. <laughs> they began driving up and down the road, searching for Brandon and calling his name. Kyle rang Ladessa's phone multiple times to no answer. Kyle also attempted to call Brandon's phone. Around 3 a.m., Brandon's phone stopped ringing either due to losing battery or because it was shut off. Around 4.30, Ladessa retrieved her phone from her truck and saw the missed calls from Kyle and Brandon. She attempted to call Brandon, but the call went straight to voicemail. She then called Kyle, who updated her about finding Brandon's truck, but no sign of Brandon. Kyle decided to head home and decided to search again once the sun came up, leaving the gas can in the back of Brandon's truck before heading home. Ladessa then called the sheriff's office to see if they had found Brandon. They had not. By 7 a.m., Kyle's paycheck had cleared, so he returned to Brandon's truck and filled the gas can. Becoming increasingly alarmed, Kyle then informed Ladessa about the earlier phone conversation in which Brandon stated that he was bleeding. Brandon's car was finally towed at 8.30 a.m. Coke County Sheriff's officers thought that maybe Kyle picked up Brandon and dropped him off somewhere to hide him due to his outstanding warrant. Kyle volunteered to take two polygraph tests. The first test was to see if Kyle drove Brandon anywhere or was hiding him. The second test was to see if Kyle hurt or killed Brandon. He passed both tests. Just over a week after his disappearance, on August 16th, 2013, law enforcement conducted an aerial search using infrared cameras. They detected nothing of relevance. On August 29th, 2013, investigators combed over 2,500 acres around the site where Brandon's truck was located. There had been no bank account or cell phone activity on Brandon's account since his disappearance. And in the days and weeks after Brandon's disappearance, Ladessa subsequently hired someone to do a private aerial search to comb the area for any signs of Brandon. She also set up the Help Find Brandon Lawson Facebook page. Ladessa, Kyle, and other loved ones organized several ground search parties for Brandon. On October 24th, 2013, a final search was conducted using human cadaver dogs. The dogs found no sign of Brandon, and some reports indicate that the dogs may have been thrown off by the scent of local wild hogs, which may have complicated their ability to track human remains. A total of seven searches were conducted by law enforcement. Although Brandon's family was denied access to some privately owned land in order to conduct their own searches. Similar to what happened, I think, with your yeah. Brandon 
case, Mindy. Yeah, um, this part starting to weird me out because I'm like, wow, this is getting really similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. It appears that law enforcement was able to access all areas they desired to check in their searches for Brandon. According to Ladessa, during an interview on the Crawl Space podcast, the sheriff was concerned that if someone goes out searching for Brandon, oh my God, searching for Brandon and gets hurt on the private property, someone can sue the landowners. Ladessa even offered to sign waivers of liability to search the area where Brandon went missing. <laughs> I almost said missing. I almost, now you're overthinking. I almost said it. All right. <laughs> Where Brandon went missing, but she stated that the people who own the land will not allow a proper search of the land. Huh. So honestly, I'm not sure if a proper search was actually ever done on the private property, which is a little suspicious. We'll put a pin in that. We'll get back to that okay. when we start talking about some of the theories. Okay. Yeah. On- I'm just digesting. I'm trying to... Wrap my it's brain a lot, out of and, it, and if you go back, uh, we'll circle back to the timeline. Okay, um, a little, a little later, because, yeah, we will just put a pin in. It. Put a pin. You got a lot of pins, man. You got. I a got. Pin I got a bunch of them. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay, so some other facts regarding the case. In the 911 call, Brandon may have mentioned being taken. T- now this is taken. T- <laughs> there's no. There's no G on this one. All right. Being being taken into the woods or chased into the woods. People in Texas who live in that area refer to the area of brush along the highway where Brandon's car was as woods. Being from the Midwest, the woods to us is huge fucking trees, forest. We if we were driving along this highway and saw a bunch of brush and I'm assuming more like desert terrain i don't think either of us would call that woods yeah bushes yeah yeah they on with a nine the youtube clip that had the 911 call on it had like pictures running like you know while the call was playing and they showed i think the highway and i remember thinking that's just like tumbleweeds almost like it's not a forest to me that's how i would picture australian outback or something like that (laughs) I, i would not call it a wooded area but so if i say woods that's what they're referring to. Okay. Um, there's, yeah, basically a lot of thick brush, bushes, cacti. Also, wild hogs and rattlesnakes live in that area. Oh, shit. Brandon's, I told you'll get some more wild hog info in a minute. So, awesome. okay. <laughs> I know you've been excited to learn about wild hogs since I mentioned it at the beginning of the episode. Hang tight. And meth. Uh, Brent. The hogs and, and meth. meth. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wild hogs on meth? Ooh. Mm. Maybe that's next week's episode. <laughs> that would be a great band. Ma- Ugh, I can't talk anymore. Sorry. I'm, I'm concentrating, too, concentrating too hard on pronouncing all my G's. I think the band name would be Meth and the Wild Hogs. Oh, yeah. That's Wild- good, too. I like Wild Hogs on Meth better. That is good. All right. So let's get back to the story. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so Brandon's cell phone last pinged in an area right by the Colorado River. The river at the time of his disappearance is basically a still standing body of water. Supposedly, it was only about knee deep at the time. It's not something that you would get swept away in, according to a friend of Brandon's. It was unknown if the, well, at least I didn't find any information on whether or not the river was searched. Okay. Uh, there was 
a skull that was found in Gardendale, Texas, about two, two and a half hours from Brant. Back in September of 2019, a rancher and his son discovered the skull while they were out working with some cattle. The skull is believed to be from a white male between the ages of 25 and 35. They say the man died approximately five years ago, possibly longer. There's no word on how the man died or if he was murdered. His DNA has been submitted to CODIS, which we've all heard of CODIS now, the Combined DNA Index System. Brandon's DNA is available and in the system, but as of right now, there was no recent article stating that the skull was ever identified as belonging to Brandon or anyone else. So now we have a few theories about what may have happened to Brandon. So when Brandon's car ran out of gas four and a half miles from Brant, he pulled over abruptly to the side of the road, but was unable to make it all the way into the breakdown lane. Somewhere near his truck, he encountered a situation that maybe he was not supposed to witness. Something involving a person resembling a state trooper pulling over a vehicle with at least, quote, two guys in it. From there, some kind of alteration, nope, altercation, (laughs) (laughs) ensued with the, quote, guys chasing the, quote, state trooper. And these are all... possible words that may have come from the 911 call, which is how this theory came to be. So we have maybe some sort of altercation with some guys chasing a state trooper into the woods where the state trooper shot the first guy. Following this theory, maybe he shot the other guys before killing Brandon, knowing that Brandon was a witness. Some proponents of this theory contend that It was an actual state trooper or law law enforcement officer who was involved in the altercation. Others contend that it was someone impersonating an officer. So here's some of the problems with this theory. If a massive cover-up was involved, that's a pretty big undertaking and would involve many people and many moving parts. That's a lot to keep quiet. There's also just really not any evidence of this. If Brandon was shot out in the field or bushes... Where's the evidence of his murder? Where's the blood? Why did no one report the sound of gunshots? If Brandon was attacked by someone else, what happened in between his 12.54 a.m. call to 911 and his 1.18 a.m. call to Audrey some 24 minutes later? Some proponents of this theory claim they hear multiple gunshots. Remember I said we'd Mm -hmm. circle back to this? Yeah. They heard multiple gunshots in the background of the 911 call that Brandon made. Kyle actually claims that these noises are cars driving over the Colorado River and the sounds are tires driving over the seams of the bridge, which to me, that's what I think it sounds like. I don't think it sounds like gunshots, but you can go back and listen for yourself and make your own opinion, form your own opinions on that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to listen to that again. For sure. I had to listen to that probably like four or five times. And if Brandon was hiding in the brush, evading his attacker only only to be killed around 1.20 a.m., why did Audrey, Kyle, and Deputy Neal not hear any gunshots or see any other vehicles or persons in the vicinity? More importantly, how did the perpetrator manage to drag Brandon's 230-pound body out of the bushes and bramble and dispose of him somewhere prior to daylight? All right, so... Theory number two, which is similar to the state trooper theory. This 
theory contends that Brandon encountered a state trooper or a person possibly impersonating a law enforcement officer who had pulled over a vehicle. The situation got out of hand for the law enforcement officer and one or more of the guys took off running. Brandon hastily pulled his truck over to assist, leaving the truck partially in the road. He ran after one of the men and briefly held him before the tables were turned and Brandon and the officer were killed. So the problems with this theory, there's no record of an actual officer being on the scene that night or going missing or anything like that, which leaves only the option that someone was impersonating an officer. Why then pull a car with multiple people, guys, over, why be outnumbered if you're trying to commit a crime? If the tables turned and Brandon and the officer were killed, how were their bodies so neatly and quietly disposed of in such a short time between Brandon's 911 call and Deputy Neal arriving on the scene? Yeah, that's like my general question is how did he get away from the truck and like if he wasn't that far like he was saying to his brother on the phone, where did his body go? And also by what Brandon was saying to his brother on the phone, he was there. He could see his brother talking to the officer. So he must've been pretty close by the fact that they were in such close proximity to each other, but they were unable to see Brandon. Yeah. And that after the officer left, Brandon just seemingly vanished in a thin air. Yeah. That's the craziest part of all of this to me. Yeah. No, agreed. And I, maybe you mentioned this, or maybe you're going to mention this, but you mentioned that there was a bridge nearby. What was the bridge over? Was it over the Colorado? The Colorado. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it was over the Colorado River. Okay. Um, and I, I believe I have a little more information on that. Okay. Um, So another theory is that Brandon encountered some road hogs along Highway 277 who were traveling, quote, on both sides of the road when they should have only been occupying one lane. Brandon. So these are bikers and not wild hogs. (laughs) Well, I mean, isn't that a movie, Wild Hogs, about bikers, like are people who want to be bikers? Yes, I think it is. But is that what we're talking about? People on motorcycles. I mean, you know, he could be talking about like a group of wild hogs running down the road. On meth. On meth. Or he could be talking about motorcyclists. I I don't know. I mean, these I don't are- think wild hogs really care about lanes in a road. <laughs> I don't think so either. So I'm going with the motorcycles. Yeah. Well, that's why they could have been, if they don't care, they could have been traveling on both sides. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll we'll go with the motorcycle theory though. But thank you, Spencer. That was a, that was a very good question. <laughs> So maybe Brandon was crowded off the road, which explains the strange position that his truck was found in. Many online sleuths contend that had he simply run out of gas, he should have been able to glide his truck onto the shoulder. Yeah. A road rage incident ensued and Brandon was killed and his body transported elsewhere and disposed of. Some contend that they hear heavy metal music and the revving of a motorcycle engine at the end of the 911 call lending credence to this theory but i've listened to that a few times i don't hear any heavy metal music or motorcycle engines being revved up so this is probably my least favorite 
theory, or at least by far the least plausible one that I've read. Although, (laughs) according to the person who wrote this, this theory seems a bit more plausible because it involves less moving parts and explains the both sides conundrum, Mm. which otherwise seems difficult to fit into the narrative. Yeah. Uh, This person who wrote the theory wrote the theory also said that they don't hear any heavy metal music or revving of a motorcycle engine at the end of the 911 call. So yeah, agreed. Um, and if someone gravely wounded Brandon, then why did he wait 24 minutes to call Audrey after calling 911? What happened in the interim? Did the bikers come back to finish him off? Why did no one else report seeing any road hogs that night? Yeah. And essentially, this theory has the same problems as the first few. How did bikers lug Brandon's 230-pound body onto a motorcycle and drive off with him without anyone seeing this? Yeah, that was my thought initially. At first, I was like, okay, this might be a viable theory because it could explain how his body was not found. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. That means that if someone was on a motorcycle, yeah, they'd have to get his body onto the motorcycle and then drive away, which I don't know how you would do that. But also, since Kyle and the deputy, like when they arrived, Kyle was on the phone with Brandon and it seems like he was nearby and saw them. So mm-hmm. that it seems weird to me. Like they, I would think that Kyle and, the, and Audrey and the deputy would have also seen the wild hogs as well. So yeah. that that kind of... I don't know about that, but huh. Agreed. So the last theory, various reports indicate that Brandon had about a year of sobriety under his belt at the time of his disappearance. He had prior criminal charges for possession, and there are indications that methamphetamine was rampant in the San Angelo area around the time Brandon went missing. And according to interviews from Kyle and Ladessa on the Crawl Space podcast, which if you want to hear those, You can go find those um, and listen to them. Uh, Two days before Brandon's disappearance, Brandon was trying to get drugs earlier in the day. He asked Kyle to get some for him. Kyle told him he didn't need any drugs because he had been sober for a long time. Brandon said he was just going to do a little bit, and that was it. So Kyle told him, okay. He went to go talk to his friend Chris. Brandon met up with Chris. They picked up the drugs, and they went and got high. Brandon didn't come home that night. He spent the night at a friend's house. When asked about drugs, Kyle's brother states, this is a direct quote from him, I don't believe he was on meth. I know he was. Hmm. When Ladessa was interviewed on a later date, she said she didn't know if he was on drugs or not, but that is what they fought about the night that he left. She was upset and told him to leave because she didn't want the kids to see him like that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So we do know that the fight was bad enough that Brandon was initially planning to drive three and a half hours to his father's house in the middle of the night, leaving his girlfriend and four children behind. This altered state of mind theory proposes that Brandon ran out of gas and ventured off on foot towards Brunt. At some point, he saw Deputy Neal approaching, responding to the passing motorist call to 911, and this caused Brandon to veer off into the brush and hide due to his outstanding warrant. From his hiding spot, Brandon witnessed Deputy Neal drive south on Highway 277 while Deputy Fox drove north. 
He became further paranoid and called 911, reporting a state trooper going towards Abilene on both sides and a situation involving some guys. The both sides Brandon references in the call is an observation of two police cruisers going in opposite directions on the same road, but no one has been able to make heads or tails of it. This lends itself to Brandon being in a disoriented state. Brandon continued to wander into the brush, getting scraped up and bleeding. He called Audrey and told her he was bleeding and that she should hurry up and get him. Audrey said it sounded like he was wandering around in the brush in the background. Brandon's phone battery died or was otherwise shut off, maybe thrown into the river, and he succumbed to the elements. Here's a little wild hog. Actual <laughs> hogs, though, right? Like not Actual hogs, not psych- motorcyclists. So wild hogs are local to the area, and they are also supposed to be pretty vicious. They can eat human remains, they can be extremely unpredictable in their behavior, and they are also very intelligent, and they are extremely dangerous and territorial. It is possible that he was running from them, or possibly injured by them, or perhaps even mistook them for some guys. At the time Brandon went missing, the temperature was a mild 78 degrees, winds were calm at zero miles an hour, and the low for that night was a comfortable 73 degrees. However, the following day, temperatures rose to a high of 102 degrees. If Brandon was wandering in the area, disoriented and possibly injured, that heat could quickly become deadly without any shelter or water. There are some rumors that Brandon had accused Ledessa of cheating on him. Even if Brandon did not relapse and was not abusing substances on the evening of his disappearance, Some theorize that sleep deprivation could have contributed to an altered state of mind. Ledessa stated at one point that Brandon was working up to 95 hours a week, as I mentioned earlier. So basically, sleep deprivation and stress can certainly alter a person's perception of reality and cause them to behave in in irrational ways. Yeah, like calling some hogs some guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I'll put a pin in that. Because I'll actually, when we start talking about meth, (laughs) there could be some reasons why, if he was on meth, that he actually thought that the hogs were people. So additionally, if Brandon did relapse on substances, this might account for the missing time problem. So problems with this theory, Brandon's body was never never found. If he did succumb to the elements, what happened to him? Many believe the wild hogs in the area and other wildlife may have disposed of any evidence. Others believe artifacts or other evidence are still out there waiting to be found and that perhaps Brandon was farther from his truck than anyone realized. Hmm. Here's a couple facts about meth kids. Yay. (laughs) Brandon had only been using meth for about a day. His brother said that he was not a meth head, but would instead do meth for no more than a day or two every few months. His brother said Brandon had actually gone through him to get the meth, with his brother acting as a sort of middleman. People don't start hallucinating and being extremely paranoid after hours or a single day of using meth. That happens after several days of using with no sleep. Also, his brother said that Brandon never behaved in such a way while on meth. Not even close. If his disappearance had anything to do with the drugs that he was taking, 
or a drug-induced psychosis that possibly the drugs that he took was just bad shit. Good meth doesn't cause psychosis after a single day of use from what I've read. Not, I don't know this from personal experience. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so possibly the drugs that he took was laced with bath salts or some other chemical. A theory about why he was so manic after using meth for just one day is that maybe he just used too much. A lot of times when people use after a period of being clean, they end up ingesting. Uh, Not sure if Brandon was smoking or injecting the meth, but they end up using the same amount of substances they did while they were actively addicted, I guess, thinking that you have sort of muscle memory with the drug. So basically his tolerance went down and he might have used way more than he should have. Um, that combined with his argument with Ladessa, causing him to just take too much that day, which resulted in some sort of psychosis or possible overdose. One thing that I read was from a person who took a forensics class in college and there was a donated skeleton that she worked on that was from someone who was a meth head and apparently it's very common for people in a meth psychosis to want to burrow so their bodies will often be found 40 feet in a pile of blackberry bushes um, as this body that she worked on was or something similar so not sure if any search parties when they were looking for Brandon if they really looked to see if possibly he dug himself into the terrain or hid beneath a bunch of bushes. And yeah, that's another possibility that he burrowed himself somewhere and then died. And that's why they have yet to find his body. So, um, and there was also a story of a couple from Nebraska. I did not add this to my notes, so I'm kind of going off memory here, but Spencer, you can probably look it up and correct me. But one of the things I researched was a couple from Nebraska who took a bunch of meth and they called 911 because they couldn't figure out where they were. I think they got lost and they were out in a field with a bunch of cows and they thought that the cows were people. Oh, God. they ended up dying. I mean, it's actually a pretty pretty tragic story. Um, so there is actually a possibility, depending on if he was in sort of uh, a drug-induced psychosis, that maybe he thought wild hogs were actually people. Did you find the story? Yep. Do you want to read it? The whole story? Well, a, syn- a synopsis. Uh, basically, it's uh, meth may have impaired the judgment and ability of a young couple to feel the cold weather when they became lost in a snowstorm snow <laughs> and died of hypothermia. Uh, they had enough meth in their system to create confusion, hallucinations, hot flashes, and anxiety. So I guess in their 911 call, they mentioned people. And it says here, it's quite possible that he sees the cattle and hears the breathing of the cattle and thinks that these are people and that the oh. people aren't helping him. Oh yeah. Cause I think in the nine one one call, that's what it was. They were um, saying that there's people here, but 
they're they're not helping us. Oh, so they okay. Might have thought that the cows were people. So basically, I, I'm going to give my yeah theory. What do you think on what I think happened, and then we're going to get to some of the unanswered questions. Uh, some of the things that don't exactly add up or make sense about this whole thing. I mean, there's obviously a ton of things that don't make sense about this. Like the fact that he seemingly vanished in the thin air. But my theory is that he possibly took too much meth. And yeah, between the the fight, sleep deprivation, he was stressed out. He wasn't thinking clearly. I mean, obviously the fact that he wanted to drive like three and a half hours in the middle of the night to his dad's house when he could have just went to his brother's house that he seemed like he was extremely close with. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I think that's a sign right there that he was not thinking very clearly. Um, I think that maybe he, for whatever reason, I mean, maybe he like swerved to hit a wild hog or something and stopped the car suddenly and or maybe he thought it was a person maybe he I don't, I don't I don't know but that could explain why his car stopped so suddenly maybe he got out of the car because he thought it was a person or he saw the state trooper something was going on that freaked him out that made him start running he could have been bleeding from being cut up in the brush it sounds like the brush in that area was extremely thick. And if you're running through it, it seems very likely that he could have hurt himself. And that's why he called Audrey and said he was bleeding. Not sure why he called 911 since he did have a warrant out for, well, I guess was it a warrant for his arrest. I think I mentioned that. Yeah, um, you did. The thing is, though, is he clearly stopped the car, turned it off, took the keys, his wallet, and his phone, and exited the car. It doesn't look like he ran from the car necessarily, except for, like, how it was placed. Because I feel mm-hmm. like if you're going to run, why would you, like, if you were really that freaked out and were running from somebody, you wouldn't stop to do all of those things. You would, like, stop the car and get out and run. So it feels like his decision to leave the car was one for that, for whatever reason, he came to. That's a good point. And like decidedly made. Yeah, I think he might have just wandered off. Maybe he fell in the the water and he could have drowned. I mean, it, you don't need a lot of water yeah. to drown. Yeah. So if he fell, hit his head, was laying in the water, he might have drowned. Even if the water, you know, it said it, it was basically a still standing body of water at that time. It wasn't a raging river he still might have drifted downstream. I, like I said, I'm not sure how well the police searched the Colorado River mm-hmm. at that time, if they did a very extensive search. And yeah, between the animals and the heat, I mean, in that weather, I think your body would probably rapidly decay. And if animals got a hold of him and yeah, yeah. devoured what was left of him, and I'm sure there's birds out there that are flying around picking apart uh you know looking for meals and could have possibly picked him apart I my theory is he was in sort of a drug induced state of confusion yeah he got hurt he probably passed out 
somewhere in Subcame. I think it's succumbed. Succumbed and succumbed. It sound right, but yeah. <laughs> and succumbed to the elements, and it's very likely that one day they might find his remains out there somewhere. I don't know. The other theory I had, though, was the the fact that they did not search those private properties. So I guess it's very possible that he could have wandered onto someone's private property and been shot by the owner thinking that, you know, he had a trespasser on his land. He was protecting his land. I mean, it's Texas. People have guns down there. And then once he realized what he did, he discarded the evidence. Yeah, that was actually a theory for Brandon Swanson, too. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And well, here, I'm going to get into some of the unanswered questions, which comes from the theorem factory. Because they have a lot of the same questions that we do, okay. I'm sure. Um, so how did Kyle get to Brandon so fast? Especially if he had to pick up a can of gas from Ledessa's house along the way. Mm. So it's a 31-minute drive from the center of San Angelo to the location where Brandon's truck was abandoned. So if Brandon left his home at 11.53 p.m., He should have arrived where the truck was found by 1223, give or take a few minutes. Mm -hmm. It appears that he called Ledessa at 1234 and then again at 1236. When she didn't answer, he called his brother at 1238. Kyle then called Ledessa two minutes later. So we're saying approximately 1240 a.m. She put the gas can out. Somehow, Kyle made it to the location of Brandon's truck in a clean 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Even while stopping at Ledessa's, which is a five-minute drive from his own home. And I'm not sure if Ledessa's, um, Ledessa and Brandon's house was on the way to the truck or if it was five miles out of the way. So was Kyle already at Ledessa's house? I mean, this is where like some of the, you know, play by play of the timeline doesn't quite add up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe he was really concerned about his brother. He was speeding. I I have no idea. So that's a little iffy. Um, if everyone's telling the truth, though, and the calls match up to, you know, what they found in the phone records, I guess it's possible. But I don't know. It's a question that yeah. there are no answers to. <laughs> um, and if it's true that Ledessa placed a gas can on the front porch before placing her cell phone in the truck to charge, how does this make sense? Yeah. Your partner that you just had an epic fight with is stranded in the middle of the night with no gas, so you take a shower and go to bed. Maybe she thought Kyle would handle handle the situation, but still. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, why? You do- seriously don't have an f- inside phone charger? Like, everybody well, has something. Well, she explained on the Crawl Space podcast, um, from what I remember, I believe that one of her kids broke one of the chargers and Brandon might have taken the other one. Okay. So the only working charger that she had left was in her car. This is a question that was brought up from the person from the Theorem Factory uh, website, Uh I, you know, I've been in situations with past boyfriends where I've gotten into huge fights and did not give a 
fuck what happened to them like yeah. if they were in trouble like fucking good deal with it I could go to bed just fine if she had a huge fight with him she's dealing with one sick kid yeah she's dealing with three other kids that's a good point he's on fucking drugs yeah she's pissed about it I can see her being like go fuck yourself yeah obviously she true. loves him but you get to these points in your life where you know it's you have to put yourself in your kids first yeah that's true and circling back to the like he might have been really like high on drugs theory why did he tell mm-hmm. kyle that ladessa had people had mexican guys chasing him i don't know she denies that she had anyone chasing after him she denies cheating on him it could have been part of the psychosis yeah if he was on drugs i mean i don't know what their relationship was i don't know if he was the jealous type i don't know if you know he was the type of person who if she saw or if he saw her talking to someone else that he would assume like, oh, she's cheating on me or whatever. I we, I don't know anything about that. So, and also I think Kyle said when he was interviewed on the Crawl Space podcast that he was not aware of anything like that going on. So, but she definitely denied that. Yeah, but that, I feel like that just gives more credence to the idea that he might've just really been messed up on something bad mm-hmm. um, another question is if deputy neil came from the north but didn't see anything unusual along the way no bikers no other suspicious vehicles or activity yeah then that that kind of blows like a lot of those other theories out of the you know like you can kind of cross those off your list yeah of things that might have happened to him because i Unless he had some reason to lie, I don't know why he would, but yeah. Yeah, I I feel like if there were other people involved or it was something bigger that there should have been more like evidence of that. Like you would have seen tire marks, I'm assuming. I don't know. But like, yeah, if he just drove up there, the, the cop, I mean, based on, you know, a motorist just saying, oh, this truck is blocking the road and didn't like report seeing anything else weird. I, I mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, why did Brandon start driving on Highway 277 with an empty tank of gas, knowing that there was nowhere to stop along that stretch of road and that he was unlikely to make it to Brant? Yeah. I mean, not that's not like a huge question, especially if he's not in his right mind you know, a lot of people think that he can get farther. <laughs> yeah, that's farther true. than than what their gas tank t- tells them. Uh, so who knows? And like that one person brought up if he or the one theory where people are saying, well, if he ran out of gas, he would have been able to safely glide his car or his truck uh, to the side of the road. It wouldn't just suddenly probably die right in the middle of the road. So there's no evidence that he actually ran out of gas or that his tank was completely empty. And honestly, I don't know if they were able to check for that. Um, but that would have been something to look for at the time. I would think. Yeah. I mean, it, but if the car again, though, if the car was off and his wallet keys and cell phone were missing to me, that sounds like he stopped, he made a decision to stop the car because for whatever reason he felt like he needed to get out and, do whatever so Mm -hmm. whether that meant he was tripping and like saw something that didn't exist or I don't know what other reason he'd have to do that but it sounds like he's it just sounds I have this picture in my mind of like 
the truck he's him stopping the truck very quickly and like moving to act on something whether it was real or not but i don't i don't Mm -hmm. know that could just be me imagining (laughs) just like (laughs) reading into this but it's just so weird so and here's another question and i need to go back and look at the timeline again but why did ladessa miss three calls from brandon between 12 34 and 12 48 but she received a call from kyle around 12 40 a.m so let me go back up here and look at this timeline again because this is where it gets really confusing so i want to see exactly when here we go so kyle arrived at brandon and ladessa's home around 12 10 a.m then at 12 34 but then he leaves and then he comes back again so then at 12 34 and 12 36 Ladessa misses the two calls from Brandon approximately 45 minutes later after leaving home around 12 38 Brandon calls Kyle back again that's when his truck ran out of gas so then at 12 40 Kyle calls Ladessa to inform her that Brandon was out of gas Ladessa places the gas can on the front porch takes a shower and turns in for the night okay so that was after Kyle called I mean yeah me Maybe she missed the calls because she wanted to miss the calls. That's what I was going to say. Maybe she was just pissed at him because she, like you had said, like they had had this fight. She knew he was high, like, and what didn't seem, I mean, because didn't she, wasn't she the one to suggest to him that he go to his brothers instead of to to his dad's? Like, if he's not thinking clearly, she might have just been like, you know what? I don't want to talk to you right now. Exactly. That's what I think. I I don't think that's uh, super... A super big mystery yeah you know she might have just been done with him for the night and didn't want to argue anymore she had a sick kid and three other kids to take care of so yeah yeah totally um and so why did kyle go check in on ladessa so i think this is before he got the gas can uh what was he checking on this doesn't really make sense was the argument that bad did kyle and ladessa know brandon was at a risk of a relapse or hurting himself I mean, honestly, I don't know. He, To me, it seemed like in his interview that he was just a good brother and brother-in-law and he would periodically check on them and the family and they just seemed like they were all really close. So Mm. to me, that's not like another huge mystery of why he would be there. I do want to know, though, if the police ever did an extensive search of Brandon's truck. That's another thing that I couldn't really find any information on. That's weird because you would think that like that would be something you would easily find information on. Yeah, you would think you would dust it for prints. You would check to see if the car actually ran out of gas. Between, yeah, between the private property, his truck, and the river, those are like my three big questions yeah. is were those ever searched? I can't think of words right now. Were those ever, um, was there ever an extensive search of those three areas? And if not, it's obviously way too late now. Right. But they probably could have had a lot more questions answered if they did an extensive search on those areas. Right. So... Who knows? Well, and you had said, too, that, like, the one of Brandon's friends said that the Colorado River at that time was, like, about knee-deep. If you're laying face down in that, you could drown in that and possibly not be seen, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's too inconceivable to think that he could have fallen in the river or been pushed in the river or whatever and then 
either somehow, you know, eventually made his way downstream or like, yeah, once you're in the water, all bets are off in terms of like what's going to try and eat you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't that it's just so bizarre. Yeah. But that's all I got. So this is the disappearance of Brandon Lawson. Yeah. So if anyone has any additional information on what happened to Brandon Lawson that night, they can go to Facebook. Uh, like I said earlier, Ladessa set up uh, help find Brandon Lawson Facebook page. So please go there, contact Ladessa, and let her know what information you have that could possibly lead to them finding out what happened to him. I'm totally going to be like looking at, I think I might have a new slight obsession because this is just so weird. Like I know I'm going to double back to some of those podcasts and like listen myself and like, uh, probably go to Facebook because like this is just this is really bizarre and yeah it is more intricate than Brandon Swanson's in a way but like just absolutely gone with no trace is just so freaking mm-hmm. weird especially and I'm still stuck on the fact that he seems to have seen his brother when he pulled up with his girlfriend and the cop when they he were saw his brother he saw the cop he saw like, like yeah so where the f was he like he couldn't have been that far and why how could he not have been found unless it's like they literally just kept missing each other i, I don't like he missed the cop he missed his brother he there's so many uh chances to where they probably just I, I don't even know. It's just, it's so crazy. And didn't you? If everyone's telling the truth and, and the phone records are all correct, then it doesn't add up. So anyways, that that is basically all I have. So if you have any further information, like I said, please go to the Help Find Brandon Lawson Facebook page and contact Ladessa and share whatever information you have. Um, but that is going to do it for this case. Wow. And Good job, Sharon. Mindy, thank you. Let's end this on a slightly more positive note. Uh, have you been doing anything fun this week? Watching anything fun? Take up any new hobbies? Um, I saw that the ID channel is going to have some new show that's like Raging Terror or something. And it looks like some sort of found footage show. I have no idea. I saw the commercial in passing. But I'm definitely curious. I'm going to check that out. I think it starts like Sunday. Like, well, wh- hmm. the Sunday this is being recorded. So it should, by the time this airs, it's probably already going to be on. But um, that kind of struck up my interest. But yeah, I can't stop thinking about this case now. So I really can't think of anything else that I was going to talk about because this is just so weird. It's like stuck in my brain. Um, yeah, but that's well, kind you can of do it, it. Your own deep dive once, <laughs> once this is over. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, how about you? What have you guys been doing? Um, let's see. I binge season one of Castle Rock. <laughs> I had oh. to think of it for a second. Have you seen Castle Rock? I have. I it was a long time ago though that I watched, and there was something that bothered me towards the end of the first season, and I don't think I ever watched the last episode, which I should probably do. But I feel like at this point, I need to watch the whole thing. Oh my god, how could you not watch the last episode? I binged it so quickly I was just sucked in and I, I will say I might need to rewatch the last episode because I was a little confused as to what happened and didn't realize that each season yeah. was basically a brand new story. I didn't either. So yeah. When it ended, I was like, Oh, okay, so what's gonna happen? And then I was like, Oh shit, that was 
it. <laughs> I feel like I, I didn't totally get it. So, um, I'm going to have to do a little research on what the fuck actually happened, um, before I start season two, but I really, really liked it. I actually might've liked it better than, um, the outsider. Well, which Sarsgaard is that? The brother? Bill. Bill. He's, uh, I, I, the one takeaway I got from it is I just think he's awesome. Like he's creepy. Yes. And he's Pennywise in the new it movie. But like, I just think he's a great actor. He's fantastic. I think he's even creepier in this than he like without a costume, without a, like a creepy clown costume. He scared me more in this than he did in it for sure. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, um, but I was also watching it with somebody who's a big Stephen King novel fan. And so he knows a lot about like the world of Stephen King and would constantly be like interjecting stuff. So maybe I just need to watch it by myself. <laughs> yeah, I that was really fun, though, because I don't think Stephen King, he didn't really have anything to do with Castle Rock. Right, right. right. I th- well, I don't know, actually. It's been a long time since I watched it and I didn't watch season two, although it does star our girl Lizzie Kaplan. I know I love her. So that'll be, I, I might watch that because it's like the misery character, like it focuses on her and she plays her. So that, that would kind of be cool oh, to see. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I know nothing about season two. So that's really cool. Um, I think tonight I'm actually going to watch Shawshank Redemption because I know, I know I've never seen it. I'm so embarrassed to say that. Um, that's another since, one that I haven't seen in like years. It's long, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. But I have nothing to do tonight. <laughs> I was just saying, <laughs> not going out. By the way, Stephen King is credited as the first writer for all twenty episodes of Castle Rock. Interesting. Okay, so I was totally wrong because the wor- well, I thought- the thing is though is it's not based as this is my understanding, and again, it's been a while, so I'll have to look this up. But it's my understanding that it's not based on any of his works in particular, or it's based on a collection of his works but like there's not like a castle rock book or something like that like because there were like when i was watching it with uh my friend andy who's the big stephen king fan he was pointing out different characters that are from different stories that were like interweaving in this series so i think it might be like stuff based on the world of stephen king i don't know yeah i actually have more information now because where i was first looking it just said he was listed as the first writer right but then i dug a little bit more and it says that he is credited as writer as based on characters and settings by yeah he didn't actually do any writing it's just obviously based on his settings and his characters it's fun for stephen king fans to try and pick up on a lot of those little nods but um yeah, overall, I really liked it. But once again, like the ending, I guess because I didn't realize that it was the like actual ending of the story, I guess that fell a little short for me. Okay. Otherwise, okay. I binged the hell out of it. Like, I think I, I watched it in like three nights. Um, and I told Spencer that he should have been watching it because he was in the office watching... Uh, Westworld season two which I'm not even going to after the first season I'm like I'm kind of done with this well the third season looks awesome and I started watching season two of Westworld like a month before like everyone was sheltering in place and then stopped just because I was like 
I had forgotten how intense that show is. And I was like, oh, my God, like I just needed at that time to watch something that wasn't like using a whole lot of brain power. Spencer, what do you mm-hmm. think of the second season? Um, it's fine. I, I've heard a lot of people say that it's, you know, that they don't particularly like it or it's not as good as the first, which I think is true. But it's basically about how shit goes down and how how fucked up shit gets after the end of the first season. Right, yeah. So it goes just right after that. Um, I've seen a couple of stills from the third season. I'm trying to avoid it okay. as much as possible since I'm behind. Um, but it looks very interesting. Yeah, it does. The little bit that I've seen. Don't say anything because I hate spoilers. Um, but yeah, I want to... I think I only have a couple episodes left of season two. So I want to get through that so I can get to the third season. There's a special guest star in the third season. I won't say who it is, but I've just seen. Well, I know, I know of at least one okay. who might be the one you're talking Probably, about. Probably, yeah. But I, because like whenever it? I watched John Oliver, or when I would watch The Outsider, they'd have the previews on it because I usually watch using HBO Go, so they'd have the previews for Westworld on. So I saw the previews whether I wanted to or not. So I won't yeah. say more. Yeah, I'm not going to go off on Westworld on a tangent. But yeah, I, I, uh, I'm I curious to see what they end up doing with it. So I think I need to get to work on that too. See, this is where I get, I fall into problems because I'm like, there's so much I have to catch up on and now I'm overwhelmed. And then I just watch like Ditto. stupid TV on or stupid shows on like the Travel Channel. <laughs> well, that's why I watched Castle Rock is because I was like, that was one of the shows that I needed to catch up on. And I was looking for Mr. Mercedes, but could not find it without having to pay for it. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just watch Castle Rock instead. And I think we watched Westworld right after season three of Twin Peaks. So my brain was broken from season three of Twin Peaks. Yeah. And I couldn't even fully appreciate Westworld because I was like, I don't want to (laughs) think. I don't want to do any thinking. And so I have zero interest in finishing seasons two or three of Westworld because I'll have to rewatch season one again. And yeah, I heard season two wasn't so great. So meh. there's so many other things I need to watch instead. Like Shawshank Redemption, which came out, what, 30 years ago? <laughs> yeah, something like that. 25, 30. Well, then that will be fun for you to watch. Ma'am, keeping it current. Right? Oh, there's a show called... Um, cheers that i've been watching i don't know if you've heard of it but it's about um this bar in boston it's really good it reminds me of pre-quarantine time where you used to actually go out to places and have alcohol and conversations with other people as opposed to everybody knows your name but yeah if you've never heard of cheers you should go check it out mindy you might like it (laughs) as opposed to just like drinking wine in your living room and like just binging television you'd actually go somewhere to to do it (laughs) every time one of my cats walks in the room. I'm like, Norm! <laughs> we should have a cat named Norm. <laughs> All right. So on that note, uh, I think this is going to do it for today. So once again, thank you all for listening. And good job again, Sharon. That was a very complicated, crazy case. So thanks for covering that. You're welcome. I'm patting myself on the back as we speak. Okay, good. <laughs> If you are able to during these hard times, please uh, subscribe to our Patreon and you can have early access to our episodes, hear exclusive episodes, and also get some cool gifts from us, possibly. And Mindy's been posting some fun things to that as well. We are also on Instagram. You can find us at Horse Talk Horror. 
And you can also get the links to our streaming locations and our Patreon on Instagram as well. Be sure to also check us out on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at whorestalkhorror at gmail.com if you want to tell us any ghost stories, creepy stories, uh, your favorite disappearance stories. Yeah. Or any suggestions for more stuff we should look into, please, please send them. We would like that. And whatever you listen to us on, please rate and review us so that we can get more exposure because that's the best way to do it. And we would appreciate it and love you forever. That's right. And as always, thanks Thanks for for getting getting creepy with us. Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.